0: everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm
1: Molly.
0: And if this is your first time joining us, thank you so much for being with us and giving us an hour or 45 minutes or half an hour depending on if you speed us up or not. Some people do, some people don't. Um, If this is your first time joining us, we are, I'll give you a little bit of a, here's what you can expect. Um, We don't plan our show. We kind of sit down and have uh, real conversations, unplanned, unrehearsed, talk about things that are going on in our lives. And those things, those topics generally revolve around uh, theology, um, kids, parenting, marriage, work, uh, things in the world. We have um, food. food. We talk a lot about food.
1: Things we're reading. So
0: why would you be interested in um, in what we have to say versus anybody else? Well... Hard to say. Um some people say we make them feel normal. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. But um
1: and in case uh in case anybody out there's wondering, "Jair is drinking water today?"
0: No, I'm drinking kombucha.
1: No, you're drinking ginger bug.
0: Ginger bug. Yeah, I'm ginger drinking ale. ginger ginger, ginger ale. Kombucha. Of,
1: kombucha we'll, is made from a like a flat, slimy probiotic that grows and multiplies, but it's this thing that's in the bottom of a kombucha jar. Oh, come on, you guys. Uh, like, pretty much everybody out there probably knows what I'm talking about. Uh, a kombucha has a has a mother, which is a word for a, a, a probiotic base, and... You add brewed black tea and other things to that. What you're drinking is ginger beer, which is a, ferm- a fermented probiotic thing that was started with sugar, organic ginger, raw ginger, and water. And that created its own basic sourdough starter. And then I brew gi- ginger tea with more ginger, lemon, and sugar, and then ferment all of that with the probiotic that has started.
0: Well, in this case, I poured it over ice and added a little bit of simple syrup to take a little bit of
1: that bite
0: off. Wow, it's good. Just want to chug the whole thing. <clears throat> Somebody on our Telegram group... Um, did you mention what you were drinking?
1: I did not. I am drinking green tea that I brewed in a jar in the sun. I just put green tea leaves mm-hmm. and some filtered water in a jar and let it sit there for a few hours, which I was just Googling because I had read that the sun's rays get absorbed into water, the energy of it, and actually can like give you uh, healing benefit or health benefits of being out in the sun by drinking water that's been sitting in the sun. And so I Googled... Health benefits of sun tea, and got all of these reasons why you shouldn't drink sun tea, which was all the rage when we were growing up in the 80s. Our moms would have these oh, gallon yeah. jars all of, the time. yeah. Well, apparently it breeds bacteria, and so you shouldn't drink sun tea anymore. But what I do is I put the the herbal tea that I like to drink in the afternoon because it's got all sorts of nice minerals and nutrients that leach out of the herbs or whatever's in the mix that I use. And just put it in a little mason jar with a lid. By the way, you guys, I have discovered that the mayonnaise jars that I use, and I think any standard mayonnaise jar, works fantastically if you wash it after you're finished for mason jars, for small mouth mason jar lids. So I have bought lit plastic screw-on lids for storing things like salad dressings and stuff in my fridge. And I haven't found a good substitute for the wide mouth ones. I buy those, but I now recycle my mayonnaise jars lids into lids for just regular small mouth mason jars or regular mouth. Anyway, uh, so the green tea and then I added some cream of tartar, which has potassium in it. And I don't eat bananas because I don't really like them. So a little bit of added potassium and some honey and a shot of lemon juice
0: sweet we had somebody last week so kind on of a nerdy Arnold Palmer telegram group um, <clears throat> mentioned that we we're talking about random noises that we we have on the show because Molly and I um, you guys obviously you're listening to us you can't see us but we share a microphone um, I have a omnidirectional microphone that we use and she's sitting in a
1: I'm gonna take a selfie right now you sitting in her. my
0: super nice club chair. I really regret not having purchased two of these, but it was kind of expensive, so I didn't feel like sp- spending that kind of money on two. But my really nice Manchester Club chair from, I don't know, Wayfair or something that I bought years and years and years ago. And I'm sitting in an old dining room leather chair, and we have little random noises going around, and one of them is the clinking of the glasses, and people are always like, I wonder what you're drinking. And I know that Paul, cousin Paul, likes to call me after a show and ask me what was in my cup, what filled my cup. And... um So anyway, most folks said it kind of gives it a little bit of a more homegrown or a home like we're sitting around chatting sort of thing, which we are. Um, And if you guys, I forgot to mention this too, if you are new and and you want to know where the show is headed, uh, I do take show notes as the show goes on. So uh, sort of a road, time stamped roadmap. So you can look at the, um, hopefully my summary gives you a little bit of an insight into what we talk about, end up talking about. And uh, then the roadmap will give you more detailed guidelines there. So, anyway, um, as you know, last week we took off for um, Laramie to go to Molly's 99-year-old, late 99-year-old grandmother's...
1: 98
0: and 11-12. Okay. Uh, 98 and 11-12 grandmother's funeral. Um, She died actually back in January. December. um, Okay. But getting to Laramie in the winter is terrible, terrible. Terrible. You just don't want to do that. And so we, the family... Laramie the, is
1: at almost 8,000 feet, you guys. Yeah. And often, if you see pictures of semis in a pileup off the road in the winter, it's on either side of Laramie on yeah. I-80.
0: On I, Yeah. And so they decided to bump the, the funeral to, um, to June. Uh, and as you know, we've talked about in the past, the differences between Molly's family and my family... Um, I have a long heritage of Christians in my family, and Molly has no heritage of Christians. in her That's family. not entirely true. No, not entirely. In- okay, not fair, entirely true. Fair. My
1: parents both grew up in church, and my mom, on her side of the family, actually has a rich heritage of Reform oh, Presbyterianism. Your mom big time, yeah. But it was sort of lost in a couple of generations. But there are. Uh, architects who built giant Presbyterian churches in Pennsylvania and New Jersey and New York that bear my mom's maiden name and preachers and actually ones that are in the same theological tradition that I was educated in. But yes, in terms of uh, do family reunions on my side of the family culminate in a worship service where they have a choice of people to preach because all of these people (laughs) are in ministry in some capacity? No, that's not... Um,
0: and, and we also had my family. History. We hadn't seen some of Molly's cousins from her dad's side in well over 10 years, probably closer to 12, I think.
1: We, we the last time I remember seeing your Grandpa Jack's cousins was when my grandpa died when Titus was six months old. Yeah, and he's so now 12 years ago. 12 and a half.
0: And subsequently some they've of those they've all gotten married and had and, kids. And, exactly.
1: So uh, there were a lot of people at this gathering in Wyoming that we had never met before. And partly by design, because we didn't grow up close to them. Most of them live in Arizona. And we, in our adult lives, when we would go visit Grandma, we didn't want to overwhelm her. And so we would, and also trying to help her have a fairly steady flow of visitors instead of this flush of visitors all at once and then nobody coming to visit her. And so there was a staggering of when when grandchildren and great-grandchildren would go visit. And so I think this last fall, we missed two of my cousins whose wives I had never met by a week when we went to see my grandma. And one on one end and one on the other end. But uh, we had no idea what to expect because I hadn't seen most of these people for so long. And I think this is where JR is going with this. We pulled into... My cousin's house who lives probably, what do you think? They each have one acre. My cousin and my aunt and uncle who live on adjacent lots and they, so they, there's a path back and forth from their house that the kids trape back and forth on. Well, the adults too, but the kids in all of their energy do more traipsing. And we pulled into my cousin's where we were going to camp in her driveway and she has a shop with a garage that we can go in and out and use the bathroom without, or a shop with a bathroom, that we can go in and use the bathroom without disturbing them. So it's a great camping situation for us because we're not a burden on them at all, but we still get to enjoy them. We pulled in and there's a pretty sweet Toyota Tacoma with a very nice uh, rooftop tent set up on it. And then there's also a camper parked in my oh that's parked in my aunt's Technically Nichols. it
0: wasn't a rooftop tent. I don't know what they call them, but it was a shell. It was like the prefab camper shell that pops up from the top. So you actually put it on like a topper, but the whole top like lifts up into uh you into and you enter the tent from inside in, the bed.
1: Oh, okay. I guess I've never yeah. really seen those before. It's pretty rad. Anyway, it was very They're nice new and fancy and And then fancy. the and that so that was one of my cousins and then the other guy cousin had parked his camper, and we've done enough driving and Googling of campers and prices and manufacturers and things like that, that when sometimes you see one and you kind of do a double take and go, oh, that's not a normal camper. That's that's a serious outdoors, off-road sort of person camper. And that was, that was the other cousin and his wife and three yeah. kids who were the... The one with the rooftop tent or whatever it is uh, had a about a one year old daughter, and the other has three kids who range in age from about seven to three, and they were in that camper together. And so we pulled in and thought, "Hmm, huh, th- this could be really interesting. These are people that we seem to have a lot in common with."
0: And then we pull up in our Sprinter van, and they all camper tubers, like, yeah. Hey. This could work out. We've
1: always wondered what it was like to have in one of those. So anyway, uh, all that to say, we talked a little bit last week about not having any idea what to expect, and we had an absolutely delightful time. We, they were great. They were great. I feel
0: like I've been deprived of cool cousins for the last 12 years.
1: Tons of fun. JR <laughs> really wants to take the family to, to the Grand Canyon, which is like a four-hour detour to some of their homes, but uh a very worthwhile for and once you've gone that far what's four more hours right so um so we'll we'll probably make that happen and see some of them more in the future and we had a lot of nerdy things in common in terms of uh food quality and baking one of the absolutely hysterical conversations that we had i think was it it was Sunday morning. What, what morning did I make pancakes? I mean, I made pancakes on Sunday morning. And my the cousin that we were staying at her house, that we know fairly well because we see her quite a bit, she has a son who is nine, 11. He's between Titus and Lily. And he he took some pancakes, and then he put this absolutely massive slab of butter on top of his pancakes. And I commented, Oh, Zane, I see you got the routes in love for butter. And one of the cousin's wives was like, oh, you you guys like butter? And we proceeded to this have... This is a family thing? This is a family thing. No and my other two girl cousins did not know that my grandpa who... So, you guys, my grandpa grew up in the Dust Bowl in Nebraska during the Depression. And he was very, very poor. He actually was... Uh, my my grandfather was a widow. His my grandpa's not my grandfather. My great grandfather. He remarried someone that my grandpa never liked. <laughs> and uh, family pictures of him with his stepmom and her family are absolutely hysterical because he just made faces to ruin the pictures for years. But he grew up very poor, and just that that depression era mindset would scour sale ads every Sunday when they came out and would go stockpile things that were kind of scarred into his psyche of being deprived of or fearing being deprived of. And one of those was butter. And so my grandparents were prolific gardeners and canners and uh, freezing things. And my grandfather was also a wonderful elk hunter and instilled that in all of his sons, all of whom still hunt, and grandchildren hunt. And it was neat to realize that we still had some of those connections in terms of that sort of thing too. But anyway, my grandpa would go buy butter at Safeway when it was on sale, and he would literally fill his downstairs fridge and freezer, the door of it with butter, to the point where when I was in high school and college especially, when we were rolling into town, my dad and I would start making bets about how many pounds of butter were in the door of the fridge. And depending on what cycle, what part of the cycle of sales that we were in, sometimes there would be no butter in the fridge and sometimes there would be 30, 40, 50 pounds of butter in the fridge. and. My, my other cousins never realized that. I guess they didn't snoop in the basement freezer like we did. But the reason we were in and out of it is because we'd show up with the cooler food and put all of that food in the freezer next to the guest rooms that we would stay in. But So I, I told the story about my grandpa and his stockpiling of butter and then come to find out one of the cousins uh, had run out of butter and had trouble finding butter on at a good price and then had purchased it from a buying co-op. And had I don't know, gotten like fifty pounds of butter or something and frozen it and and then had purchased several other types of butter and had done a butter taste test for what <laughs> which is was hysterical because Jared and I are just looking at each other laughing because I think it was last fall Costco started selling their own brand of grass fed butter. And I've been buying Kerrygold butter from Costco for years. So I bought a Kerrygold and a Costco brand grass fed. And then natural grocers had had some different of their grass fed butters on sale. And so I bought four kinds of butter and we did a family taste test with butter where we each would slice off a little slice and taste it. And, you know, the different kids like they're all super creamy. They're not like the sticks that you get in the blue box at Costco, which is what we bake with and what we incidentally were putting on our pancakes down in Laramie. But the there's actually a higher fat content in them, and the yellow, or at least in the Kerrygold, comes from beta carotene, which is in the, the grass that they eat in the Irish Highlands. And so, anyway, to, to com- it was hysterical to find out that one of my cousin's families that we've had almost no contact with for more than a decade had recently also done a butter-tasting challenge, like we had, to determine their favorite butter. And they had determined that the most expensive butter was the best, but only marginally, and it didn't really justify paying almost double the price for it or something. So they were getting butter from this co-op. And then, you know, we haven't spent much time with
0: your dad's youngest brother, but he was, like, on the bleeding edge. Like, he was... When, they, when he graduated college, he and his wife moved to Arizona and built a house. They raise all their own cattle. They actually cattle.
1: lived in Laramie for a little while after they that. They
0: own all their own cattle. They butcher all their own meat. They do Jersey cows. They keep them until they they're older. They do own
1: dairy.
0: And he had an issue. So we've been talking about this book, Steak, for a while. Um, and talking about USDA regs. But I didn't know this. And he mentioned this. So he has to process all of their cattle. For beef processing. They have processing to slaughter. meaning butchering. Pos- butchering and getting, yeah. you know, hamburger, steaks, all that. He has to do it all on his own. Because a bo- commercial butcher won't process a cow over two years old. I thought the two-year-old mark was only due to USDA choice prime... Guidelines. Guideline for marble ratings. But apparently... That rule extends over to whether or not a commercial butcher can process something over. It
1: has to do, he mentioned, with mad cow disease. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure why there's an age limit on mad cow disease, but the same is true in... I've just got... Well, I'm now in Italy, but in the book Steak, it goes by... He ta- He travels from country to country and writes accordingly. And when he was in Ireland, he said that... They were, they butchered cows at two years in Ireland also because of UK regulations about mad cow disease. And so somehow I'm not sure how that prevents it, or supposedly according to the USDA prevents it, but that was the reason they were given for why. A commercial facility would not process their cattle. Wild. At over two years old. So, yes, they do all of their own. So, if we. Everything.
0: If we work a deal with our friends up in Whitefish and we have a cow that we want to keep for longer than two years, we have to plan on processing it ourselves, which we can. I mean, we process an elk.
1: This is a lot of meat, but, I mean, mm-hmm. cows
0: are way heavier, but still, um, same overall process. Yeah, I think so. So, um, that's an interesting. Interesting thought. I hadn't thought about processing a cow. hmm But I want to.
1: Yeah, well, you may get your chance someday. Um, I am holding... Oh, when I was Googling Sun Tea, I came up with an interesting statistic, and I'm curious... Just a minute. I have to respond to a time-sensitive text about buying cheese for a pizza tonight.
0: Ooh, delicious. I love cheese. Let's buy lots of cheese.
1: Okay. Um, This statistic, when I was Googling this, what percentage... Oh, I did not leave it open. Now I'm going to have to do another Google. What percentage of tea that is consumed in the United States do you think is iced tea versus hot? Oh, say that again? What percentage of tea that is consumed in the United States Ah. do you think is consumed cold or iced?
0: I think 70% of tea is consumed cold. 30% is consumed hot in the United States.
1: You're really close. Uh, According to Mordor Intelligence, it's between 75 and 80%. And according to Wikipedia... It's eighty-five percent of the cold tea consumed hot. in the United States is served cold or iced. If you think about how much iced tea is served in uh, machines at it's in soda machines at mm-hmm. fast food stores and restaurants, and then also the obsession with sweet tea in the South. That, yeah, I was thinking about the Southern sweet tea. thing. Yeah, so that that does that. But anyway, that's um. That's a really high percentage because I probably consume sixty-five to seventy percent of my tea hot. And I only would... for a short season in the summer do I drink it cold.
0: Yeah, see I've been drinking mostly iced tea. But in the morning I like I like something warm because that's still coming off of my coffee kick.
1: Yeah. I'm still on coffee kick. Um I'll drink
0: coffee. But like this morning, all I had was tea and it was I'm also
1: holding this cute little notebook that I'm going to give you a link for. They're mini composition notebooks that I picked up at Walmart in a three pack for a dollar. And the kids have been using them. They're just so cute. The kids have been using them for all sorts of lists and things like that. But uh, if you're looking for a cute, I don't know, I was going to say stocking stuffer, but we're past... (laughs) We're past Valentine's and...
0: Random gift of kindness to your children. Yeah. I mean, my kids some were... Come with like five of them. I picked Diego some kids. up
1: at, at Walmart when I was there during a judo class, and I, I grabbed an extra pack for the kids to share, and then they all wanted their own pack, and I felt extremely... I got a lot of generosity credit by buying each kid a three-pack of these notebooks, and... I believe I'm seeing if that was a a sale price, but I got it at two different Walmart's. One from a Walmart pickup, but it was like a dollar twelve for three of them. So you get a lot of bang for your buck for a thirty cents. I have a bunch of little notebooks so that notebook. I, I
0: kept around for different things. Forty I'll put cents, them in, maybe. I'll put them in things and then write notes in them. But then I don't ever use them because I'm not.
1: Here we go. I'll do that. It's much. straight up a dollar right now, oh. not a dollar twelve as I paid. And if you go oh, into was... the store, oh. you pay. You get to choose your color option.
0: Elise is gonna be but, so mad. Oh,
1: she is gonna be mad. You're gonna to have to buy her a new one. I was, I
0: was playing with her. She has this. It's a,
1: just, it's a it's like a fidget squeeze thing.
0: It's a squeeze ball and just blew up in my fingers, and it's like it's. A, it's
1: oozing like some it's sort like of
0: silicone putty. Yeah, you're gonna to have to go buy her um, a new one of those. Oh jeez, why does she buy such crappy toys? You guys, she had a twenty-five dollar gift certificate from our friend Ty. And she used it to buy this.
1: She used less than $10 of it for that. But yes, know, but... she cannot go into a store without... And resist the urge to spend money on something.
0: <laughs> Talk for a minute while I go wipe my fingers on
1: something. Oh, boy. Okay, well, Jr. is going to wipe his fingers on something. I will also... I know I've talked about these before, but I will remind you of the Mel's Kitchen Cafe rolls that I really like. And I will look up and send Jr. a link to share... Uh, they're blender rolls, so you combine very hot water, butter, yeast, I think salt and sugar in a blender, blend it up really well, add a couple eggs, blend it up again, and then mix it in with flour in a bowl, and then you just let it rise like normal, like normal rolls. But there, and then you you bake them like like Parker House rolls, where you Fold it over. You can do that or crescent style, and you you dip the ends in butter before you fold it over and bake it. These rolls—they're so good. So what we do, what I've done for this trip and then other times is, I will bake a batch and it makes a a large sheet pan worth of rolls. You bake a batch. We eat some in the moment when they come out of the oven because you can't resist doing that. So we had sloppy joes with them on what Thursday night. And then we, and then I beg them up and take them on our camping trips with us and we eat them, we turn them into breakfast sandwiches, we put chicken salad or tuna salad on them or lunch meat or we just put jam on them and they just turn into a very versatile and they keep for, I just threw the last five away. That we're starting to get mold on them that we you pulled out of the out of the van, van today. today, um, but that was <clears throat> that's well over a week, a old. solid week, exactly yeah. a week, and which is way longer than my sourdough would keep for, and we, we would have eaten them all, yeah, in a normal camping trip. But we, I had no idea what to expect in terms of meals when we were with uh, with the family, but it turned out that almost every meal was. Provided for us, and so we did not consume nearly as many rolls as we would have if we had been doing our own thing. So anyway, I'm that's me talking while you were wiping your fingers mm-hmm. off.
0: But I'm back now.
1: Okay. Uh, the this morning Whee! you sent me a song.
0: I'm so tired, you guys.
1: You sent me the song <sighs> uh-huh. "My Worth Is Not in What I Own" by the yeah. Grey Havens. Yeah,
0: I got notified by Apple Music that was released this morning.
1: And, you know, that's a Getty song, right? I I
0: didn't know that, but what I did know is that it sounded like something similar to the Gettys, and I thought, well, Molly's probably heard this, and then my other thought was like, well, regardless of whether or not she's heard it, this is a really cool version. Yeah,
1: it is. It's got a It is a song by Keith and Kristen Getty, so they did not, I thought maybe, I just Googled it because I thought that maybe they had updated it. If you look on YouTube, there's a... A version with Fernando Ortega singing it, and then of course Shane and Shane who redo everybody else's songs.
0: I had, well, I did, manner. I did hear actually. Um, oh, it was one of the in an interview. It was one of the Gettys who said, quite literally, they'll write a song and then hand it off to like Shane and Shane, Shane, and, Shane and Shane or somebody to else make to make it to popularize like, it with the pop- hip kids. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I they they both have a great sound but they they resonate uh, with very different types of people. The Getty's definitely resonate with an older
0: Not a Getty fan.
1: audience.
0: I like the Gray Haven though. Uh
1: yeah, so the Gray I I'm going to have JR post a link to it, probably a YouTube link so that you guys who don't do Apple Music can hear it. But uh, if you're not familiar with the song "My Worth Is Not in What I Own," regardless of what you think of listening to Kristen sing. Or, my worth is
0: not my own, or my worth is not my in worth what I is own.
1: not in what I own. Oh yeah,
0: and I just wrote it down
1: so the the lyrics go, "My worth is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross," and it goes on in all of these different. My worth is not in skill or name in win or lose or pride or shame but in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross and then the chorus is I rejoice in my redeemer greatest treasure wellspring of my soul and I will trust in him no other my soul is satisfied in him alone and then I won't basically I won't boast in youth and beauty I won't boast in wealth or might or human wisdom Uh, and then the line that has been bouncing in my head for the rest of today is uh I think this comes from an older poem but it says two wonders here that I confess are my worth and my unworthiness my value fixed my ransom paid at the cross but the that paradox of the two wonders here that I confess of my worth and my unworthiness and I think I don't know exactly all the reasons this has kind of been bouncing around in my head so much but it's very humbling to to show up at a family event and not really know anything about half of your family and just be humbled in a in a good way, surprised and delighted at how much fun you can have with people that you have hardly known. And then same thing we on our way home, we stopped at one of my mom's cousins place halfway across Wyoming. And we just went up to their house to, they live on a big ranch, and we went to visit them in the evening and received this really kind, warm welcome from people that, in many ways, we barely know. And, um, I don't know, I'm I'm not, I can't actually rem- think why other ways I've been thinking about, well, I don't know, life is just co- a continual source of humbling, right? We just keep not getting things right, and, um struggling with the brokenness of this world and uh human flesh does fail and our in our pride we want to be stronger and better than we really are and we absolutely want to be stronger and better than other people because at least if i'm not if i'm not crushing it and everything at least i'm doing it better than that person over there (laughs) and so the sliding scale of of self-righteousness that That we help ourselves to feel okay by, and and here we and yet God, in His mercy to us, to keep us from thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought, keeps giving us relational struggles to keep us humble, or car troubles, or you know, getting in the same car wreck multiple times in different parking lots, and you know, I'm just. I am better than that. I'm better than making this mistake multiple times. And that's why it's so humbling is because we consistently want to think I'm better than X, Y, or Z. And God says, well, actually, you're not. And I'm going to show you you're not by, by your reaction to putting you in that situation. And and yet the incredible value and dignity that God gives to each human being who was made in his image and that that juxtaposition of holding those things together um, is is something that I think is beyond what our minds can hold together. It's not quite like trying to explain the Trinity, but, you know, the trying to explain to someone who maybe isn't as well-steeped in the Bible, I mean, here we are pretty steeped in the Bible and it's still hard for me to articulate, but the... Somebody like David being able to say, I am a worm, I am dust, and yet also being able to say, I'm a little lower than the angels, and God values me so much that, you know, ultimately David couldn't say this because David didn't know this yet, but but God sent his son to die on a cross for me, and he takes care of me. Because he loves me and he knows my needs personally and deeply and he cares how I feel. And, you know, the things that we try to instill in our little kids where when they have worries and concerns, you know, cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. And that's any little concern that we have. Well, at the same time saying, (laughs) but, but you also don't deserve it, you know, so. I don't know. I'm going to stop talking and take your drink of my green tea and see if you have anything to say.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, in, in all those circumstances, I think, you know, it's the heart change that we're going for. It's the heart change that God's going for. And it's that we can live quite functionally without him on this planet, but we're not. I mean, it comes back to like, we're not supposed to. We're supposed to, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever and that is that requires recognizing that he exists and submitting to his uh, sovereignty. You know, has all um, omnipotence, omnipotence, and <clears throat> all powerful control over everything.
1: And yet, his sovereignty is not impersonal; it's deeply personal and loving mm-hmm. for teeny tiny. Yeah,
0: I wonder how many people get confused. Like they confuse the spiritual, and I, I've been, I don't know, maybe this is something that I've been noticing a bit more, um, they tend to confuse um, our spiritual lives and our temporal lives, physical lives here on the earth are are all connected. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's ascribing things that are intended for salvation and our spiritual fulfillment to things on this planet. And I think people get that confused. You know, they want to apply it to things on the planet. You know, like the whole pray for God to, you know, cast our cares upon him. Why? Not because he's going to make your circumstance, because your circumstance will get better. That's what obviously we want. Mm. But again, it's that heart orientation that we're looking at. It's it's the same thing with like contentment.
1: And what you mean by heart orientation, I think, is is a deep-rooted settledness and contentment in and trust in the fact that if God doesn't give me what I want it's because he has something better than that in store and not better in a in a temporal sense but because because he is so wise and so good he's not going to i mean for example uh, you know, when I pull a five-year-old out of a family gathering where other kids are still running around playing, it's not because I don't want her to have a good time. It's because I know that it's 10 o'clock at night and she needs to go to bed. I have, I have her deep, long-standing good in my, in my heart And she doesn't see it at the moment because what that feels mean and torturous to her at the time. So, but I guess what I'm trying to say is like when you say the heart orientation, it's a Godwardness that submits to him and trusts in him, which is a constant, you know, constant challenge for us because Genesis 3, we want to be in charge.
0: Yes. um, But not, not that is mostly what I mean, but not in so many words. Um, it's kind of just putting everything into its proper place. It's like when we, when I sit down and pray with the kids, I've moved away, and we've had this conversation like a few episodes back too, but um, we've moved away from, I personally have tried to move away from asking, praying for circumstances. Not because that's a bad thing, or because God can't change somebody's circumstances, or a desire for different circumstances be it you know health uh be it uh you know finances uh, you know whatever your circumstances you want to change a job situation or something not those desires for those changes can be good but that's not what god's after in in, in my reading of scripture that's not what uh it's not what scripture teaches Scripture is orient you know it's is oriented towards that heart, so it's our it's our approach to those situations. Is kind of what I'm referring to with that heart uh, heart orientation. It's mm-hmm. our how do we approach those situations? How do we respond to those situations? How do we interact and engage with those that reflect? Um, Good character
1: and a relationship with God and a
0: relationship with God exactly yeah. Christian character and relationship with God that's I'm, that's kind of you know what I'm kind of referring yeah to? I do
1: I actually <clears throat> just sent you a link to an article by David Pallison that's called Pray Beyond the Sick List and
0: oh yeah sorry we were just every time people like anybody have any prayer requests yeah I got cancer
1: <laughs> yeah or, okay we'll
0: pray God heals you from cancer
1: yeah <laughs> I mean so so <laughs> there's one of the, more to it than that well yeah but I mean. But it, there's more to it than that. But that that itself is not a bad thing to pray. for. And that's kind of what I
0: said. I, but, I was saying like those things yeah. are not bad to pray for. But
1: yeah, so Paulison talks about in being in a group and modeling praying beyond the sick list. So he's not saying like, um, you know, if you're in a small group and someone asks to pray for their sick, and don't be like ugh. You know, like you're a terrible person for wanting to pray for your sick aunt. He, you know, model. What do you pray for? For example, uh, in uh, just a pullout that I just skimmed by, and now I can't find it. Of course, he he talks about how how sickness itself, like any weakness or trouble, is itself a temptation. So that experience brings out complaining, grumbling, anger with God and with other people, denial, all of those things overflow from the heart with the circumstance of sickness. And so, one among many things that he talks about in this article, it's not a super long article, you guys, so I would encourage you to to click the link and read it, because like anything from Paulson, it's just uh, phenomenal. Well,
0: that's what I've been trying to do like when we pray with the kids, too. And I, I think I've, Done it a few times like in our some of our church prayer groups too. It's mm-hmm. like you just all you get is that they're sick and they're in the hospital, but you know, well, how are they doing and, and you know, maybe it's more of a pastoral thing that people just kinda of leave up to a pastor to could be concerned with, but how are you handling it? Yeah. How what are you what are you what are you talking what are you wrestling with, with God right now through the circumstance? How are you responding to your to your nurses or how are you responding to your friends and family? I mean, and that's just it doesn't have to be health. It could be anything. But, um, yeah, I've been trying to, like, with the kids anyway, yeah, focus Ma, on that. You're praying for your heart yeah, in yeah, the midst of to, the circumstances.
1: Yeah. Even well knowing that God is the God of the circumstances as well and that he can choose to yeah. change your circumstances, to miraculously fix your finances, to miraculously cure, cure your cancer, he... He can do all of that and it's okay to pray for healing, for example, but don't forget praying for the heart and for people's hearts around them. Yeah. And in the midst of that, because that's actually the more eternal and that's the more important (coughs) element of, of the prayer.
0: Speaking of hearts, how are you feeling about your kids after the last few days, last couple of days?
1: Better now because they've been spending the last two days with my parents and their cousins (laughs) while I've been Uh, working outside. We we
0: got done from, uh, we were on the last, it was the last day we were My circumstances have changed so
1: I feel better. Yeah.
0: (laughs) 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 And it just, the kids, I've noticed a trend when our kids get, specifically the girls, even Titus to a certain extent, when they get tired, they just instantly dissolve into tears and they're and, complaining like mournful and sorrowful tears yeah so it's like I, I was like where's my faith the other night where's my where's my blankie i don't know where your blankie is it might be in the van she fell apart in tears because her blanket was in the van these are things that normally would not Shouldn't make our kids them. fall into tears so you kind of see these little signs and, um the last they'd been running on fumes a couple of the kids mostly and it just was like
1: Kids don't, as many of you guys know, most kids do not sleep in. And so if they go to bed late one night or a series of nights, they don't make up for it by sleeping late. They just run on a sleep deficit, which is bad for an adult brain. It's really bad for a kid brain. And then add in overstimulation, add in more sugar than they would normally have then add in lots of screen time while we're driving which totally turns their brains to angry mush and they were they were a challenge for our drive home and uh I was pretty pretty mush-brained by the time we got home because I just did not want to deal with any more meltdowns there I don't know though I will say Every season when we go out and about, the kids get better to deal with. I mean, Titus pretty much single-handedly packed a lot of the van for us. And uh, to the point where there was one thing where I had assumed when I said pack inner tubes from this tub into the van. He (coughs) packed one for each girl and didn't think that we would be... At the pool with two cousins. Mm-hmm. So he packed three instead of five. And that's really the only thing, the only complaint that I could lodge with me giving a 12-year-old son a verbal barrage, <laughs> literally. to that He was pretty overwhelmed, actually, the morning that we left. He actually kind of melted down into tears because you gave him several things to do at the same time as I did. Oh. And... He was like, "I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm doing my best," and I was like, "Me too, buddy. Me too." He and I are a lot of like you guys, and we get easily overwhelmed, and especially when we're tired and overstimulated, and so. Uh, but he was tremendously helpful, and just being able to, even in this, even like there were a couple times where I. Stayed in the van. The two middle girls stayed in a hotel with my parents. So we actually had so much space in the van and so much less noise. And the whack-a-mole that you spend an hour with putting the kids to bed and then an hour bopping them on the head. Metaphorically, of course, you guys. No, because
0: they sit up. One they, sits up, Yeah. On Another one sits up, bop them on the head. Well, then up. yeah,
1: you're, you're just dealing. You're putting out little fires that they sit up with. I'm thirsty. I have to go to the bathroom. He kicked me. I just thought of this... Life philosophical problem that is urge must urgently be discussed at nine forty five at night in front of the other five family members here. All of these different, all the hurts of the day that you're rehashing while you're lying in your little space in the van at night. Anyway, we only had two of the four to deal with that, and really only one of the four because I would sit in the van until Faith was asleep, and Jr. Being Jr. Was off socializing with my relatives while I was socialized out and hiding out in the van and then I'd go inside to get ready for bed in the bathroom and just tell Titus you know what finish whatever you want to finish reading and put yourself to bed and we're now at a stage in life where I can tell a kid put yourself to bed and he puts himself to bed mostly at a reasonable time and that I realize that there are liabilities that come with approaching the teenage years but that is not one of them currently in our last 6 months of having a preteen and that is pretty great. It's
0: pretty awesome. Oh, I don't
1: know if I told you this, speaking of having a preteen, Titus had a friend over not too long ago, this friend that he's been just like bosom buddies with since they were 4 or something when they met. And they the friend came over, I don't know a week and a half ago, and they sat up in Titus's room for 30 minutes to an hour. I wasn't really keeping track, but they just sat up there talking and the friend picked up the ukulele that was in Titus's room and was plinking away on it. And it was just this struck me. Wow. There's two almost teenage boys sitting upstairs just talking about whatever they feel like talking about. And I could imagine that Titus was probably fiddling with Lego figures because he has a whole table that he's constantly changing the diorama of all of his like he basically has all of his minifigs set up on his lego table Mm -hmm. and they're always doing something funny like they got blasted by a tsunami so they're all on their backs and it's star troopers and harry potter characters and just random ones all mixed in together and anyway it's always funny to ask him what's going on in that world there. But anyway, I could figure I could picture him with his friend plinking away or like playing with his minifigs while his friend's plinking away on the ukulele. And it was just one of those moments that kind of crystallized in my brain of, Wow, that's two almost teenage boys just sitting up there doing a very teenage boy friend hangout sort of thing. <laughs> anyway. It's Um Yeah.
0: Cool. Well you guys, I submitted Um, I really wanted to share this with everyone last week, but the artist Jess Ray, who some of you watch Andrew Peterson, uh, behold the Lamb of God, she put out a remix contest and I made a remix and sent it to her. She hasn't downloaded it yet. So I hope it didn't get dropped into spam or something, but we'll see. Um, anyway, uh, I'm hoping that that comes off. Well, everyone I've, I've kind of pre-shared it with like just to run the mix past people. Just absolutely loved it. And I've listened to the crap out of it. I keep listening to it because it's just so catchy. (laughs) That's me. So you guys can pray that, you know, I get on her EP because it'd be fun. That
1: would be fun. Can you, you probably can't or don't want to share it with people. Um,
0: I don't, I mean, I can post it, um, as a non, you know, on telegram, you can make links downloadable or non-downloadable. So. I'm thinking it be okay maybe just for if telegram I like it. you could share yeah, it there for the to, telegram group maybe for
1: people to have a listen to mm-hmm. you yeah if they so desire
0: yeah the contest ends on the 23rd and so which is uh, in one week and one day put the ep out uh, next month so we'll see how that goes and uh, working on a new I'm working on a new Patroller track working on a visuals set for a Patroller live set um I applied to play at a little arts, uh, music, and arts, like week-long festival here in in town. So the real underground thing. So uh, I haven't heard back from that yet either, but we'll see. Um, anyway, and you know, of course, shop building.
1: Yep. Shop building, yep. gardening. I think I'm gonna have to go buy some more. Tree trimming. Some more begged soil.
0: I tree. I limbed for the first time. The last time I limbed trees, I think was when we moved in. A lot of growth in in seven eight years. years. Seven years.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, I I was gonna tell people I have been struggling. Well, maybe have have we told people that I re, totally reworked the garden this year?
0: Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's not really the point of this. But one of the ways. So so we have rows that have been in ground in the garden, and they've just been so overtaken with weeds that this year. I gave up and I covered all of the rows with cardboard and then with dried grass clippings and then with hay and then with a combination of home-done compost until I ran out of that. By the way, the home-done compost has been sprouting squash seeds like crazy. (laughs) I probably pulled 30 to 40 seedlings from the garden rows of either tomatoes because if you throw a regular tomato away if it's going bad or whatever the seeds often sprout so tons of tomato babies just mixed in with all the other things and then tons of sprout ones or squash ones i have no idea what they are but if you're familiar with growing gardens squash seeds of any type have a pretty distinct look and i have been pulling those like crazy because even though it's fun to have volunteer squash, I don't want them zapping up the minimal nutrients that I have in the added soil that I the My soil, my garden beds are pretty shallow this year because it soil for all of that is pretty expensive. So homegrown compost, but plus some sheep manure, composted sheep maneuver. But I'm going to have to buy a little bit more because I've been sprouting sweet potato slips So, the whole, our whole kitchen window? Yes. So, our whole kitchen window, those jars. Because you were
0: sprouting squash by accident.
1: Yes. No, this is. (laughs) So, what you do, you guys, to start like growing potatoes, you can either let, you know, when you get the eyes growing on a potato, you get the green stuff coming out of it. That's literally how you grow potatoes. So, you can buy seed potatoes that are more guaranteed in terms of quality and consistency in terms of what to expect from what you grow, but you could literally toss a potato that has sprouted into the ground or, as I'm trying to do, into a pile of hay and just let it grow and it will grow potatoes. A sweet potato, they also grow the kind of shoots coming out of them, but you actually let those shoots grow out of a potato. So I've had half of a sweet potato suspended by toothpicks in a jar of water since Golly, it was before the Dominican Republic. And it will grow leaves off of it. And then you pluck the leaves off right where the sweet potato is. And you stick those in water and those grow roots. And then you plant the roots in the ground and the roots grow in and grow more sweet potatoes. Well, this sweet potato that I have in our window just keeps growing more and more leaves. So I keep plucking them off and putting them into jars. I kid you not, I probably... When I have the soil space for it, we'll have 30 sweet potato plants because I have... Well, I
0: want a lot of sweet potato casserole with brown sugar all over it.
1: I don't like that stuff.
0: Just give me sweet potatoes and brown sugar. That's fine okay. too. Okay.
1: Okay. Well, I, just, I need to go buy some dirt so no, I can no, plant no, them no, because no. I have so many sweet potato starts. That just
0: throw them all over. I'm I'm, re, I'm getting things ready to plant trees. So just throw them all over the land back there.
1: No, they... So so a sweet potato oh. goes down into the ground. They grow underground and you need really loose soil or they have trouble. They grow kind of mangled. Do you remember the year that I grew carrots straight into the ground? And because Mm -hmm. our soil is hard clay that has not been well managed for years and years, we couldn't actually get the carrots out of the ground. Mm -hmm. I ended up having to dig them all out with a shovel and mangle them. But I'd send the kids out to pick a carrot and just the top would come out of the ground. So I think that's what would happen with sweet potatoes, but those wooden boxes out by the greenhouse, I hope to fill those with dirt pretty soon gotcha. and put the sweet potatoes in them. Uh but oh, but what I was going to tell people as a final takeaway is so I layered cardboard on top of our basically our weed patch and then I've lined wood scraps and it's it's super ghetto if you were to look at it. Whatever I could find to weight it the cardboard down.
0: Look Here's the thing, though. It doesn't look ghetto.
1: From a distance. If you look up close, there's literally looks screws and nails <laughs> sticking out of a lot of the 2x4s. <coughs> or I'll have a combination of scrap 2x4s and 2x6s and 4x4s four and firewood and landscaping pavers. They're all mixed in. And they're basically holding the cardboard down and then creating a little bit of an edge so I could put in the, the grass clippings and the... Um, in the soil but out from the edge of the of the cardboard plants are incredible in how resilient they are and so they they can't grow up anymore so they're growing sideways until they find oxygen and light and i have been spraying them you guys with a combination of dish soap and vinegar i bought a gallon sprayer at the tractor supply company and
0: cuz i only had 3 gallon sprayers and one of them I'm was not full aware of of this. weed killer the other was full of the spray for the for the for the logs, and the other one was full of uh, more weed killer. I think one of them maybe your dad's.
1: So this gallon they're all three sprayer, gallon though. They're really big. Oh, this is just a one yeah, gallon. Yeah, you one.
0: you needed the one gallon. Okay. Yeah, and
1: it wasn't. It was like fifteen dollars at the tractor supply company, and the first.
0: I haven't cleaned out the garage yet. The, so the it's gonna first be the batch
1: of vinegar that I bought is specifically for weed killing, and it's. 30% acetic which is crazy a normal vinegar is like 6% acetic and there's all these warnings about don't get this in your eyes and don't get this on it's your skin and don't get this on your clothes it's specifically for weed killing and it was like $30 for the gallon it killed so I mixed it with some Dr. Bronner's soap and it killed weeds in hot sunlight in minutes I sprayed these weeds, and I it was just kind of as a test, and I went back to check on it to see if they were starting to wilt, and they were brown and crispy. <laughs> it Whoa. was wild. So I, but that that vinegar was super expensive. You know, you can buy. You may not know. Not I shouldn't have said. You know, uh, a gallon of normal household vinegar is for three, four, five dollars, depending on where you buy it. Just generic white vinegar. So then I tried a gallon of that, again with Dr. Bronner's Castile Soap, and it was still pretty effective. It wasn't as effective as the 30%, and it will probably take several applications, but I still think it's probably worth not splurging on the really expensive vinegar. But the nice thing is, as long as I don't overspray it onto my plants, which I accidentally did on two of my plants... There's a, there was a lemon balm that your mom planted in the garden last year, and it oversprayed from that, and it was it was it was really slow to come back, and it was coming back, and then I killed like half of it with the vinegar. It's still alive. It's coming back, but it would be doing a lot better if I had been more careful with the thirty percent vinegar. But all I'm saying is, in the garden, it's really nice to have a weed killing option that is reliably effective that I don't feel like is compromising our soil quality for our food so I'm really excited about the future of weed management in our garden whereas by the end of last year we had almost no harvest of beans because it was so th- the weeds were so thick and I just couldn't even compete so I feel like I maybe accomplishing some Genesis one, Genesis two, overcoming the weeds, uh, in our garden.
0: Congratulations.
1: At least for this little time being, I don't know. Now God's going to humble me with something. Cause God. I'm getting too big for my britches. Not
0: necessarily. Don't over spiritualize things. Um, yeah, I just, it's become apparent. The only, yeah, we can talk about it later, but it's just, it's interesting when I, when we've been traveling, uh, I don't read my, I haven't been reading my Bible or doing anything like that. It's like, huh, it's like I just forget all about my, other side. anyway, um, neither here nor there. Okay, guys, if you want to, um, we've mentioned the Telegram group a couple of times. That's the best way to get a hold of us. You can do that uh, with the link in the show notes. It's a private group. Um, the link is obviously public and anybody can get to it, but you can only get to it through that link in the show notes. So that's fun. Um, I've never had to deal with any spam or unsolicited people showing up, but if you want to jump on there and join the group, join the discussions. They vary wildly across the board. Sometimes they're related to the show. Other times are related to stuff in people's lives. Um, real great community of folks over there. Uh, and if you would like to send us a message, you can do so on our website at 2 fcom tb2f.com, or too busy to flush, all correct.com. And you can scroll down there and send us a little postcard on our website. And while you're there, you can order yourself a uh, People Are Weird and Hard mug or something, which would be cool. So, Other than that, uh, Lord Willard will be back with you guys next week because we are a weekly podcast where we try to meet as much as we can.
1: And stay weird, stay liking your butter, people.